We shall fight with growing confidence and growing strength in the air. We shall fight on the beaches. We shall fight on the landing grounds. We shall fight in the fields and in the streets. We shall never surrender until in God's good time, the new world with all its power and might steps forth to the rescue and the liberation of people. In times of universal deceit, truth is the only rebellion left. A three-judge panel of the Second U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals just ruled that women do not have the right to their own sport, to their own bathroom, and to their own shower. Many of us said this was going to happen, and we were mocked, we were maligned. Oh, that'll never happen, they retorted. Well, here we are. Ideas always have consequences. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion. Good morning and welcome to The Rebellion. Thank you for listening into the show. Well, today I want to talk about a pattern, a predictable pattern. The fact that the chickens always come home to roost. That sin always lies crouching at the door, and that it never is isolated. It's never just an individual thing. That our behavior, our ideas, the bad things that we think and the bad decisions that we make always spiral outward. They always have a consequence. I mean, this is the story of history. It's the story of David and Bathsheba, if you will. That sin that David committed bore consequences for generations, eons to come. We need to recognize that the decisions we're making on a daily basis are going to bear fruit in the future, tomorrow, the next day, the next week, the next month, and for years to come. This is the point of saying over and over again that ideas have consequences. And so do elections. When we choose people in our government, you're going to see a spiraling outward. Okay, Barack Obama's pastor said the chickens have come home to roost. Now, I disagree with his politics. I disagree with the thing he was criticizing at the time, but that, that, that analogy is an analogy that stood the test of time because it's true. Dirty birds always come back. Chickens are dirty birds, and they come back home to roost. And these ideas that are pervasive in our culture right now are bearing fruit, and it's very negative to the extent that women are losing their rights right now. And I said it was going to happen. Many of us on the conservative side of this debate said, if you do this, you're going to get that. And that's the topic of today's show. I'm going to talk about a variety of decisions that have been made. Lawrence versus Texas in 2003. Or Burgerfell versus, versus Hodges in 2015. The North Carolina bathroom bill in 2016. And then this decision that's recently been made just a month ago here in the United States where the second district of appeals, the U.S. Court of Appeals, the second district has recently ruled that girls don't even have any rights any longer because of this idea that girls aren't real. They don't exist. It's a subjective concept now. It's not a biological fact. This idea of subjectivity, 
that you're defined by your inclinations. And if you want to do it, that's who you are. You're defined by your desires, not by your biology, not by science, but by the salacious, the subjective. This idea is a very bad idea, and we need to recognize it. Whether you're on the Christian side of this debate or whether you're an agnostic or an atheist, you need to acknowledge, you must acknowledge that ideas have consequences. And is this where you want to go with our culture? Because if the human being no longer exists in reality, and if nothing is wrong, then humans have no rights. Do you get my point here? If nothing is wrong, objectively wrong, then there are no human rights. Because right and wrong are not objectively defined any longer, and therefore it's all up to those in power, such as these three judges, a three-court panel. Three! Three. And in reality, it could be only two because the majority vote could have been two to one and we'd have the same result right now. So you've got two people in power that were put in place by Obama and Biden who are making decisions for the entire nation right now to take away a girl's basic identity and say she's not real and therefore she can't have her own sport and can't have her own bathroom. I said it was going to happen. And the left mocked. Oh, that'll never happen, they said. Well, here we are. Let's take a break, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes to talk about this cascading effect that goes back decades. But I'm going to go back to 2003 and tell you what I was saying then and show you how everything I warned of is playing itself out in the daily news right now. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion, and I'll be right back in a couple minutes. In 1978, George and Kate Tedford set out to protect Oklahoma businesses better. Today, their son and our CEO, Mark Tedford, is excited to carry on his family's legacy. Professional liability, compliance, property, workers' comp, health and life. Tedford Insurance's dedicated team gives you access to the nation's largest insurance providers, negotiates the best rates, and protects their own legacy like no one else. Call 918-299-2345 or tedfordinsurance.com. The Patriot Auto Group, locally owned and operated. The Patriot family of dealerships takes great pride in supporting the communities we serve throughout the great state of Oklahoma. The Patriot Auto Group's charitable work has been recognized throughout Oklahoma. Whether it's visiting one of our local dealerships or simply shopping and buying online with our doorstep delivery, the Patriot Auto Group takes the stress out of buying a new or used vehicle. And every purchase comes with our exclusive peace of mind, Patriot Pledge. You get engines for life, plus one year maintenance and 10 full years of roadside assistance, plus so much more. Sure, we can sell you a car, but supporting our community and lending a hand to our neighbors in need? Sold. The Patriot Auto Group, proud Oklahomans in the communities we serve. Okay, welcome back to the rebellion. So in 2003, we had a decision in Texas, or the Supreme Court decision with regard to a case that came out of Texas. It was called Lawrence versus Texas. If you remember this, this is when the Supreme Court struck down sodomy laws. In 2003, we still had laws in multiple states against Immoral sex. Essentially, that's what it was. These states, like Texas, Oklahoma, Ohio, Kentucky, 
even Michigan uh, states that are more blue have all had laws that are grounded in the assumption of morality. In fact, I would argue that all laws, a speeding law, traffic laws, um, laws about property, laws of every law, I don't care what it is, is grounded in a moral assumption. And those that say you can't legislate morality are just, you're off your rocker. Every act of legislation is a moral act, a moral assumption. So let's not get off on that one. Let's, okay, so back to Lawrence versus Texas, 2003. This was a law that essentially said it's nobody's business what two consenting adults do. We shouldn't be in the business of morality. So the Supreme Court struck down the Texas law that was grounded in an assumption of what's right and what's wrong with regard to sexual behavior. Now, you could get into the libertarian perspective on this and say it's none of your business what somebody does in the privacy of their own home. But when you take it out of the privacy of the home and you make it a public declaration, then you've changed the discussion here. And that's what we did with Lawrence versus Texas in 2003. And at the time, I said, this decision will destroy marriage. And why did I say that? Well, basically, it's common sense. If there's no moral distinction, I want you to listen to me right now. If there's no moral distinction between hetero or homosexual sex, then there will be no distinction between hetero or homosexual marriage. You get what I'm saying here? If you've eliminated that moral reality, that moral definition, and I'm not saying it should be illegal. There's a difference between saying it's wrong and saying it's illegal giving people the right to say, no, that's an immoral decision. We don't think it should be illegal, but we shouldn't change the definition of morality, the definition of reality. But that's what we did in this Lawrence versus Texas decision. We said the moral assumptions of the difference between hetero and homosexual sex are gone. There's no distinction there anymore. And therefore, I was saying that the next shoe to drop is going to be, well, there's no moral distinction There's no distinction at all between hetero and homosexual marriage. And I was mocked. I was maligned. 2003. I remember speaking about this in the college chapel at Oklahoma Wesleyan University. I said, this is not going to end well. And again, oh, that'll never happen, was the constant refrain from the progressive left. Well, what happens next? You fast forward from 2003 to 2015. What's taking place at that time? Well, it's Obergefell versus Hodges. And I said, I told you so. I told you that Lawrence versus Texas would lead us here. I said that if you take out the moral assumption, if you get rid of that boundary between right and wrong, it's going to lead to the complete degradation of the definition of what? Marriage. Here we have it. You've got the Obergefell decision. And I said then that this decision will destroy what? Women's rights. I said, if there is no moral distinction between the sexes in marriage, then you have no moral distinction between the sexes and anything else. And women's rights are no longer real. Women will lose their bathrooms, their showers, their locker rooms, and I said, they will lose their sports. And I was mocked. I was maligned. The progressive left shouted, oh, that'll never happen. You're an extremist. You're a crazy man. Well, fast forward from 2015 to 2016. What was taking place then? Well, this 
is the North Carolina bathroom bill debate. Do you remember that one? The Republican legislature of North Carolina had the audacity to pass a law. It was House Bill 2, HB 2, and they said that women have the right to their own bathroom and that nobody in the state of North Carolina in public facilities, they didn't say what you had to do in your private facilities, in your private uh, owned company, for example. If you had a restaurant and you wanted to do what you wanted to do, then you could. But in public facilities, government facilities, women would have the right to their own bathroom. That a biological male could not intrude into a woman's space and claim it for himself. That bathrooms were to be used on the basis of biological reality. Okay? Now, what had been assumed to be common sense and an acknowledgement of basic reality for all of human history was the subject of outrage from the progressive left. Oh, how dare you? How dare you say that bathrooms, restrooms, should be assigned to people of biological differences, that women should go to a woman's restroom and men should stay in the men's restroom. How dare you? You guys are bigots. And what did I say then? I said that women's sports is dead. Now, why did I say that? Because at that very moment in 2016, the NCAA, because it's so woke and righteous, decided that it was going to pull all of its tournaments out of North Carolina if the legislature didn't overturn this bill. So the NCAA tried to exercise some leverage here, and they pulled all of their business out of North Carolina. And what happened next? Well, the NAIA, okay, which is the athletic organization that represents a lot of the smaller universities and colleges, such as mine, Oklahoma Wesleyan University, the NAIA had to be like Big Brother. So it wanted to go woke and righteous too. So it said they were going to pull all of their athletic tournaments out of North Carolina, if North Carolina didn't change this bathroom bill law, HB2. Well, I was angry at the time, and I said, my land, I'm not going to send my track and cross-country teams because the national tournament was scheduled for North Carolina. I said, I'm not sending my team. I'm not letting my students go because I don't want my girls being subjected to the misogyny of anyone telling them that they don't have the right to their own shower or their own bathroom when they're on the road engaged in athletic competition. Now, what happened? Again, I was mocked and I was maligned. Oh, you're a crazy man. When I said, women's sports is dead. Oh, that'll never happen, cried the left. You know, in fact, if you remember, I've told you this story before on this show. I actually was thinking about, and I was serious, I thought, you know, our men's soccer team right now is ranked number one in the nation. Wouldn't it be interesting if we pulled them aside and said, okay, this weekend, rather than competing against men, we want you to compete against women. We want you to wear women's uniforms, and we want you to compete against um, the opponent, not in a men's competition, but as our women's soccer team. That's what we're going to call you this weekend. Well, you know what would happen. The number one men's team in the nation would destroy, destroy, ultimately destroy any women's opponent. And I was seriously thinking about doing that to make a point. <laughs> Several people said, please don't. So I never really did, but I talked about the possibility of doing it to emphasize the absurdity of what's going on, to emphasize my prediction. And that was women's sports is dead. Okay? Do you understand what I'm saying here? If there is no objective definition of a woman, then there are no women's rights. They're gone. You can't have girls' sports if girls aren't real. As I said before, how can you claim to be a feminist if you deny the feminine? 
If there's no such thing as a female, then forget Title IX. It's meaningless. It is meaningless. And all of this stuff is blatant misogyny. Again, women's sports is dead. And again, what did I hear? The same thing I heard in 2003. The same thing I heard in 2015. I'm hearing it again now in 2016. That'll never happen. That'll never happen is what the left cried. And then you fast forward to, I think it was 2020, Bostock versus Clayton County, the Bostock decision of the Supreme Court, where they ruled that Title VII of the 1964 Civil Rights Act that prohibits discrimination on the basis of sex also applies to prohibiting discrimination on the basis of what? Sexual orientation and gender identity. So now the Civil Rights Act not only applies to biological reality, it now is codifying and putting into law that your identity is nothing but the sum total of your inclinations, that what you want to do defines you, that you're defined by your desires rather than by science. And what did I say? I said, this is opening up Pandora's box. If you grant minority status on the basis of sexual desire rather than biological reality, where does it stop? Where, where will this stop? If personal identity is nothing more than personal inclination, then we're throwing it all to the wind. If human beings, if human beings are defined by everything they want to do, then nothing is wrong. And therefore, when nothing is wrong, there are no human rights. Oh, that'll never happen. You're a crazy man. You people on the right, you're always guilty of hyperbole. All right, so I've given you this, this unraveling of my argument, and many on the right side of this debate, and I would argue that there's a double definition there, the right politically was also right ontologically and epistemologically and logically and legally. Why am I saying that right now? Well, now let's go to 2022, a month ago, where this three-judge panel of the Second U.S. District Court of Appeals just dismissed, they just legally dismissed the legitimate complaints of females who are saying what? We've lost our rights. We've lost our sports. We are being the victims of blatant misogyny. Men are entering into our spaces that are legally ours. They're violating Title IX. They're taking away what you all guaranteed us in your previous court decisions. You are not allowing us to have our own bathrooms, our own showers, and our own sports. So this, this Circuit Court of Appeals of three judges that were appointed by who? Obama and Biden. The three were appointed, two of them by Obama, and then one later by Biden. And this Court of Appeals just dismissed the legitimate complaints about the inherent unfairness of having to compete in track and field against biological males, girls having to now compete against boys who identify, quote-unquote, subjectively as girls. This Court of Appeals said that the Petitioners claim, the girls claim, was meritless. That's what they just did. 
Now, here's what the Alliance Defending Freedom is saying in response to this decision that's been made by these this three-judge panel. And again, the Alliance Defending Freedom, the acronym is ADF, is, a, is an organization that all of you should support. They're the most successful legal firm, and it's all pro bono, it's all free. Um, they're the most successful legal firm in defending religious freedom cases, and cases like this one that involve the rights of women. They have more successfully defended such cases before the Supreme Court than any other law firm in the nation. And when I say law firm, it's really a group of attorneys across the nation that have agreed to work with and for Alliance Defending Freedom to give services to you and me pro bono. So they need your support. They need contributions. And I would encourage you to go out there and Google ADF, the Alliance Defending Freedom, and supporting him. Here's what they're saying about this crazy ruling uh, just four weeks ago by this uh, Court of Appeals. Starting in 2017, two male athletes began competing in Connecticut in girls' high school track. In just three years, those two biological males broke 17 girls' track meet records, deprived girls of more than 85 opportunities to advance to the next level of competition, and took 15 women's state track championship titles. Does this sound unfair to you? So four of those championship titles were earned by ADF's client, okay? Who are they representing? Chelsea Mitchell. Four times she was the fastest female in women's state championship races, and four times she watched that title, that honor, and that recognition go to a a male, a boy, athlete instead. It was stolen from her because a boy has intruded into a girl's sport. Girl sports no longer exist if boys can intrude into that space. Did you hear what I said? Look at the numbers. Okay, 17 girls' track meets were taken by boys. Okay, they were won by boys. And that deprived more than 85 opportunities to advance because the girls that placed second and third couldn't advance because the boys were placing first. They couldn't advance to the next level of competition. And these boys stole 15 girls' state track championship titles. Does this sound fair to you? Does this sound like feminism? Does this sound like women's rights? No. This is the antithesis of all of that. And that's what I said would happen back during the North Carolina bathroom bill. And then back it up to the things I was warning about in Lawrence versus Texas, Obergefell, and the list goes on. When you get rid of objective definitions of right and wrong, objective definitions of reality, of male and female, when you start defining ourselves by our desires rather than by science, when you, when you become nothing more than the sum total of your inclinations, and when we start granting minority status based on what someone wants to do rather than who they really are, then it never stops. This crazy land of subjective fabrication is going to result in a very bad place for all of us. And the people that are going to be hurt first and most are women, girls. So other female athletes represented in this case, there are three others, and all are likewise being denied medals and placements and advancement opportunities because of boys competing on their teams or in their events. So 
it, even in the face of this unfairness, I guess here's the point. Even in the face of all this, and the fact that those of us who said this is going to happen were mocked and maligned and, and essentially marginalized as crazies, even in the face of all this, um, these liberal judges have given the real girls, in this case, a bum's rush. They're, they're dismissing the girls' claims. They're just brushing it off. And they're actually referring to the plaintiffs as cisgender girls. In other words, there's no real category of girls any longer. There's no such thing as a category of girls and a category of boys, a category of males and a category of females. We've, not, we've now got multiple categories, and this category of cisgender girls is being ruled against because we've got subjective girls. We've got boys who want to pretend to be girls, and they have equal rights to real girls. This is crazy. This is crazy land. And this is the left's language, this contrived identity nonsense of the LGBTQIA lobbying groups. All right. The, in summary, let me just say this. This was a 29-page ruling by this appellate court, and it upheld the lower court's dismissal of these girls and their challenge of the policies that were allowing transgender students, boys claiming to be girls, to participate in gender-specific athletic contests. In other words, if, if a boy is not good enough to win his 100-yard dash or his quarter mile, if he's always coming in, let's say, third, he's not good enough to actually come in first. If he decides, well, I don't like that. All I need to do is declare myself to be a girl, and I can compete in female athletics rather than male. And I'm good enough to destroy all the girls. And I can become a record-setting state champion if I just transition from male to female athletics. That's what this Court of Appeals just said. Nah, that's okay. That's okay. Now, does that comply with Title IX, a 1972 law that was established to ensure equal opportunity for who? Females. You've heard me say it before. Title IX is dead. It's meaningless. Because now, wannabe women, wannabe girls, have equal opportunity to take your girl's identity away from her. Now, what could be more misogynistic and insulting, anti-woman, anti-female, than that? And this three-judge panel just dismissed the plaintiffs, these girls, as being cisgender females, okay? They just dismissed them and said, you have no case. Ideas have consequences. They matter, whether it be Lawrence versus Texas, whether it be Obergefell, whether it be the North Carolina bathroom bill. Ideas have consequences. And when you start defining people by their desires rather than by reality, you've opened up Pandora's box for anybody to claim. I deserve my rights. You need to honor my legal status based on what I want to do. When you do that, 
Where does it stop? Now, I've said before, all of these decisions, these subjective identity claims, won't stop with adults. The next shoe to drop will be the subjective identity of adulthood versus childhood. If there is no objective definition for male and female, boys and girls, if there is no objective definition for right and wrong, if there is no objective definition for marriage, if all of these objective definitions are cast to the wind, then why do you think that we will continue to have an objective definition of adulthood versus childhood? Who's to decide? If, if you can't tell me there's a difference between a male and a female, a boy and a girl, a man and a woman, if you can't tell me that girls deserve their own sports, then how can you possibly tell me that there's an objective reality, a difference, between a 25-year-old and a 12-year-old? And if consent is the only measure of what's right and what's wrong, if we can prove that the 15-year-old, the 12-year-old, the 10-year-old consented, then why is that wrong? That's the next one to come, people. I'm telling you. I'm Dr. Everett Piper, and this is The Rebellion.